0: ever done that? How many love that? How many of you have sworn to God on an oath that you will never buy another piece of furniture that you have to put together? (laughs) Oh, buddy. Lord, help me. I will never do that again. The last piece I did, uh, it was a full uh, three-set-of-drawers dresser. It was this tall and about this wide, and came in a box that big. And uh, it flared the arthritis up in my hand. It was sore for a week. And I, I made a firm commitment to God that I would never do that again. If you watch the video, and just for the record, that's, uh, this is a typical Sunday morning uh, at church. The, before I get Linda McKenzie. Wow. I knew it would happen. It happens every night I see somebody that catches me off guard. It's so great to see you. Uh, so on a given Sunday morning, I'll play an intro video like that to, to try to try to hook something to the sermon. And the thing that I wanted you to notice about that video was that almost in every scene, that man had the directions out. Because I know there are some you know super smart people like Jamie who doesn't need directions, but the rest we're mere mortals. We need directions. And so that guy, was in every scene he had those directions because I'm pretty sure the Bible makes it clear that if you want to get it right, you've got to follow the directions. Right? You've got to follow the directions, and so tonight we're gonna. Uh, I'll tell you a couple little secrets. Uh, one, I'm practicing. This is Sunday morning sermon that I'm sharing with you right now. So nobody's ever heard this one. This is brand new. I have notes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, and, and I want to. Uh, I want to take you right into Sardis Baptist Church. I want you to take you right where we are. I want to take you right into where I am and uh, what God is teaching me and what I'm trying to learn from from what He's doing in 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 my life and in his word and and I want I'm praying that you guys are are really receiving this so let me let me ask you real quickly uh, are you the church member that you ought to be are you the church member that you ought to be are you doing it right well if you're not how long Are you going to continue to live in mediocrity or almost or most of the time or sort of, kind of, maybe? How how long are you going to continue to live like that? How long are you going to be satisfied with that? What are you intending to do to change? I don't mean to be irreverent or unkind, but someone said the purest definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and over and expect different results. And so I, I really want to just challenge you tonight to, to think about where you are in this journey, where you are in this life of, of becoming a follower of Christ, of, of becoming authentic. I love that word. I love it so much I decided I would look it up to make sure I knew what it meant And here's the definition. Authentic, in a very real sense, means to to get it right. And and here was one of the definitions that came up. A conforming to an original so as to reproduce essential features. Let me read that to you again. Being authentic means you are conforming to an original so as to reproduce essential features. And so if I'm understanding that definition of authentic and I've got to think it's, it's in with a hand grenades intention of what you mean when you talk about authentic and about us being authentic, then it, it means we're going to begin to conform ourselves and change the way we live and allow the Holy Spirit to change us so that we become a person different than we are because we're going to be sure of one thing, if we keep doing it the same way we're doing it, we're going to keep getting the same results. And if you're satisfied with that, and that's probably a problem. If you have already confessed that you are not the church member that you ought to be, if you're not the follower of Jesus that you ought to be, if you're not the, the shining example and reflection of Jesus Christ, so something's got to change. Well, how do you change that? Well, you change that by going to the original. You, you go to it for direction, instruction, enlightenment, inspiration, inspiration all of those things. You, you're inviting it into your life so that you'll begin to conform to it, so that you will look like the thing it describes. Uh, my son Jonathan and I, and and by the way, I brought my phone tonight. It's off, but I brought my phone tonight, so all of you'd like to see my three wonderful adult children and grandchildren, you can see me after church and we'll have a viewing session. All right, just put that out there. But I was talking to Jonathan. Jonathan and I were working on something the other day and we were trying to get uh, a piece. uh, He had bought a, a, a tool and we were trying to get it together and we were having a little bit of difficulty trying to figure out what it was supposed to look like. And... I'm not sure there were any instructions, but we did the next best thing. We got the box and looked at the picture on the front. And we said, okay, this is what it's supposed to look like. So let's keep turning the pieces until we get it to look like that. That's discipleship. You keep looking at the picture and you keep turning the pieces until you look like that. Amen? You follow the directions. You you put it together. So, So here's a little glimpse. Here's just one little portion about how to shape and remake and reorganize our lives so that we look like Jesus. Galatians 5, verse 16. I'll give you a second to turn there. Galatians 5. Galatians is is New Testament. It's kind of like back toward the back, if that helps any. Is this a good place for the mic? Is this a good place for the mic? Okay. Galatians 5, 16. We're just going to read three verses. But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This is the reading of the Word of God. Will you pray with me? Father, forgive me. Forgive me of my arrogance, my pride, my selfishness, my laziness, my willfulness, my lustfulness. Forgive me for the things that I've said, the things that I've thought. Forgive me for all of the things that might hinder me from being used by you. Father, I pray that you would do a cleansing work in this room tonight, that even in this moment we would confess our sin and and know that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Lord, help me to preach your word so simply, so clearly, so plainly that, that every child in this room will understand what I've said. And so, Lord, just lead and guide us tonight. And move us, move us out of that place of spiritual apathy that, that, that we tell ourselves that if we admit we're, we're less than, then, then we've done all we need to do. As if some pitiful expression of our half-heartedness is all you're wanting to hear. God, give us a desire, give us a passion, give us, let us hear your calling on our lives to become more, to become less, to become different, to lean on you like we've never leaned on you before, to take off the mask, to stop pretending, to stop fighting God, help us that we don't want to stay the same and we don't want to stay in the same place. Lord, help us. Shake this place tonight, oh Lord. Shake this place. Oh God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first truth from these few verses that we've just read, the first truth we must embrace with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength is to walk by the Spirit. We, we, may, not, we may not fully understand that. We, we may not know the details of what that actually means. We, we read that phrase as a walk by the Spirit, and we can, may not be completely sure of what that is, but, but maybe that's our first step. Maybe you go, you know what? If the Bible says I should walk by the Spirit, then A, I should walk by the Spirit. And if I don't know what that is, then I should figure that out. Let me just encourage you this way. When when you're reading the Bible, always look for three things. Look for what it tells you to do. Look for what it tells you not to do. And look for the promise that it gives you. Because the Word of God is going to always do that. When you read it, it's always going to tell you how to do something or what you should do. It's going to tell you what you should not do, and then often it's going to give you a promise to claim that you can bring into your life that's supposed to move you forward in becoming more like Jesus Christ, to, to begin to take on the image of the original so that we can therefore prove or He can prove to us that we are authentic. So the first truth we must embrace with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength is to walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He's meaning not to walk in your own strength, but to walk in the power and the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, to realize that He's a person, that He's real, that He is engaged in our lives, and that He wants to have a way with us. What, what, are the, what are the things of the flesh? What are the desires of the flesh? Well, the things we've talked about this week are, are high places. Those things in our life that, we, that we've either grown accustomed to, or we just don't think they're sins anymore, we don't worry about them anymore, but there are those things that just are kind of out there, and we don't really always pay them an attention, uh, it's that limp that we've gotten used to, and we don't even know we're limping anymore, it, it's that thing in our life that God really, really does want to get out And until he does, we're never going to be able to move forward. Those high places, and we talked about resentment last night. We talked about addictions already this week. We've talked about the wounds and the wants and the weaknesses of our life. All of those things are the flesh. All of those things are the work of the flesh. And we live in a world where it is like we are literally swimming in a world of the flesh. And we have got to come to a place where we are no longer swimming in the flesh, but we are walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Listen, just I just want to just paint you with the truth the holy spirit is the source of our spiritual birth the holy spirit is the source of our spiritual life the holy spirit is the source of our spiritual strength everything that we are is because and through and a part of the holy spirit living inside of us jesus tried to make it really really clear that he was going to go away because it was going to be better for them if he left How could that possibly be true? How could life be better in the absence of Jesus? Well, Jesus said the reason it was better in his absence is because of the presence of the Spirit. Steve, the Holy Spirit is wanting to be a part of everything that you, every part of your life. You are to walk in Him. You are to wear Him. You are to exist in Him, and He is supposed to be in your life. There must be a definite and determined awareness that we are totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. He is a person, He is present, and He is powerful. This is the first challenge we face to recognize our need and rely upon the Holy Spirit moment by moment in our lives. And if there is any reluctance or resistance uh, to desire and to depend upon the Holy Spirit in our lives, failure is certain. If there is any reluctance or resistance uh, to desire and to depend upon the Holy Spirit in our lives, failure is certain but i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh the greatest proof of your need for the holy spirit is the desires of the flesh i've got some great news for all of you who are believers in here tonight did you uh did you struggle with the flesh today you did well congratulations that's a pretty good sign you're a believer if you felt the tug of war in your your life, if you felt the struggle, if you felt the strain, if you if you felt like you were walking through a briar patch, anybody ever walked through a briar patch? I know some of you, almost all of you men and boys who's ever plundered in the woods, you have done that, and and you walk along, and they are pulling, and they are digging, and sometimes they get through your britches, and they get into your skin, and it can be painful, and when you get home that night, and you change clothes, your legs will be all scratched, there'll probably be blood. I mean, you will, how many of you walk in that today? Emotionally, spiritually. And the flesh was digging at you. The world was digging at you. Your own wounds and wants and weaknesses were digging at you. The greatest proof of of your need for the Holy Spirit is the desires of our flesh. The most common characteristic of the desires of the flesh is the feeling of being denied or deprived of something you want right now. The most common characteristic of the desires of the flesh is the feeling of being denied or deprived of something you want right now. From craving a donut to overdosing on drugs, thoughts of control and consequences fly out the window and all you can feel is I want it all and I want it now. I want it all and I want it That's a work of the flesh. And it can be something as benign as a donut. Everybody loves donuts, amen? It can be something as benign as a donut or something as devastating and destructive as as overdosing on drugs. It is that feeling that we must be satisfied now. We must have it now. And it will almost always lead to our destruction. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. As a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, there is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's always there, always guiding and always guarding, always warning and wanting us to have victory over sin in our life but as anyone with a conscience and anyone who is a follower of Jesus knows all too well, the reality of it, it is the reality of the inner struggle. That war between the the flesh and the spirit, the Holy Spirit, he's there, he's alive, he's real, he's working in our life, he's speaking to us, he's convicting us. There's an old song, he's like uh, the Holy Spirit, he's like a spirit judge, Uh, he's like a circuit breaker in our brain. He, He wants to stop us from making those mistakes, he wants to influence us and affect us. That's his role in our life, and we all know that struggle. There's always a war going on in our beings. It might be be something benign. It may be something blasphemous, but it is always there. Paul goes into detail about this again in Romans 7 in more detail, but the bottom line is the same. The reasons we fail in our life of holiness is the power of sinful flesh. But listen to what God's Word says. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear something very, very clearly. The flesh is not more powerful than the Holy Spirit. The you might want to get that, I don't know who it is. Pretty sure it's not the Holy Spirit. So Paul goes into detail about this again in Romans. I've got to start over. Uh, Paul goes into detail about this again in Romans 7 and more details about the bottom line is the same. The reason we fail in our life of holiness is the power of sinful flesh. John teaches us in 1 John that that the Holy Spirit inside of us is more powerful than the flesh. Listen to this. The flesh is not more powerful than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is stronger than our flesh. The Holy Spirit is the omnipotent third person of the Trinity. There's no way your flesh is stronger than Him. There's no way Satan is stronger than Him. There's no way the addictions inside of you are stronger than Him. How how can anything be stronger than God? That's the the definition of God, is that he's stronger than anything. All of us us struggle with something. I I struggle with things. I'm not going to list them for you, but we all struggle with things. We all have wars. We all have our private battles. We all have those things and those stories that we tell ourselves and those things going on in our minds. And the majority of us, if not every single one of us, most of the time, we live under the false assumption that that thing is stronger than the Holy Spirit in our life. And I'm here to tell you that according to the Word of God, it is not greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, if that is true, what's wrong? We are. We are. We are wrong in our assumptions. We're wrong in in what we believe most of the time about ourselves, about God, about the Word, about the Holy Spirit, because we have not yet allowed our minds to truly be transformed by the Word of God. It's not a lack of power of the Holy Spirit. It's a lack of desire on our part. We're just pulling for the wrong team. It's not a lack of power of the Holy Spirit. It's a lack of desire on our part. We are just pulling for the wrong team. What we need to deal with tonight are the areas of life we pull for the wrong team. Are you listening to me? Are you ready? You ready for the cold, hard fact? You sin because you want to that's right. let's, let's take sinless perfection and put it over here I don't think that's anything any of us have got to worry about that's right. okay and that's not what I'm talking about but I am telling you According to the word of God, there is no temptation that has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will with the temptation also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's the word of God. And what we've got to come to grips with is that the reason we are living at this level that we're living, the reason we are not the church member we ought to be, and we seem to be perfectly happy to stay that way is because we choose to. In spite of the fact that God has given us the Holy Spirit who is willing to walk with us, walk in us, walk around us, to give us supernatural power, to do, it, do amazing things through what He wants to do in our lives, to live our lives overcoming the flesh, overcoming the sin that so easily besets us, the Holy Spirit is there. But the sad truth is is that we, that we, all, we don't always, but every time we fail, it is because we chose to fail. Listen. We do not lose the battle of the flesh because the flesh is stronger. We lose the battle of the flesh because we want to. Until we get honest with ourselves and about our sin and about our Savior, we will never see victory. Let me let me give you a confession that I had to confess. Uh, This I don't know how many days, weeks, months ago this was. It seems like I wrote this down somewhere, so I may repeat myself. That's what old people do, right? They repeat themselves. I was talking about uh, the two great commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I have a confession to make. Jamie may regret having called me here. I do not yet love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to cap it off, I do not always love others the way Jesus has loved me. It won't do you any good for me to lie to you. I do not yet love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the day that that sobering fact just... Cleared itself in my head, and I, that Sunday, confessed it to our congregation and tried to get them to confess it to and to understand it. That was the day I wrote it down in the prayer list that I look at every day of my life, and I pray, oh God, help me to come to the place where I love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and oh God, help me to begin to love others the way you do. I started trying to pull for the right team. That's how you pull for the right team. You, you look in your life and you understand where you're falling short. You understand what you're doing wrong. You understand that that's who you are, what you are, and how you are in your own flesh. And you realize that your only hope for changing is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so you begin to do a very fundamental and simple thing. You begin to ask Him to do His work in you. Lord, would you help me to love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and saying, Would you help me to love those around me the way you have loved me? Until we get honest with ourselves about our sin and about our Savior, we will never see victory. Why doesn't the Holy Spirit... Here's, here's, a, here's a wonderful question. Maybe some of you have asked this. I've asked this. I've, I've wished for this foolishly. But why doesn't the Holy Spirit just override and give us victory over every sin? Why doesn't the Holy Spirit just press autopilot or cruise control and rid us of all this mess? right? I mean, my life would be so much better if he would just come in and give me a a, a lobotomy. Is that what that's called when they fry the front of your brain? You know, if he'd just come in and give me a little quick lobotomy and all I ever did was just follow him in obedience, man, wouldn't my life be better? Why doesn't he do that? Well, I do have an answer (laughs) because the one thing that makes life worth living is choice. It's free will. That's what makes life worth living. That's, that, that's the greatest gift God has given us. That's the one thing that he has, he's never taken away from us. He has to work in us in his sovereignty and his providence and all of those things. But at the same time, there is always that amazing gift of free will. For instance, how many of you have ever witnessed a child being forced to hug someone they didn't want to? How many of you have ever done? Give Uncle Billy a hug right? How many of you have ever seen that? How many of you have ever got that hug and you felt so loved? Right? Maybe they're making them cry. I don't know where. I I read it in a book somewhere because it has to be right. Uh, It says never force a child to hug someone they don't want to. Because a molester can come along and tell them that your mommy and daddy would want you to hug me. So be careful what you plant in your children's mind. Don't ever make them hug someone they don't want to hug. Only let them love when they choose to. Because if you're being forced to love, it's not love. And so God has given us this incredible thing called choice. He's given us this incredible thing called free will. And He has given us the power and the privilege of choosing to love Him and to respond to Him and to walk with Him and to want to be filled with His Spirit and want to live in victory over the sin in our life and to pray prayers like, Oh God, I want to love you with all of my heart, soul, mind and strength. God, I know I don't, but I want to. I want to. I want to love the people around me the way you love me. I want to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Let me finish reading that illustration. How many of you have ever witnessed a child being forced to hug someone they didn't want to? And then how many of you know what it's like for a child to throw themselves into your arms with a complete abandon and wrap their arms around you because they feel so happy and safe in your arms? How many of you like that? That's why the Holy Spirit does not override our operating system and turn us into a robot because only someone sick and twisted wants a relationship with a robot. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Look at it again, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. You can look at this one of two ways. The flesh is keeping you from what you want to do, or the Spirit is keeping you from the things that you want to do to keep you from doing the things you want to do. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and verse 17, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You can look at this one of two ways. The flesh is keeping you from what you wanted to do, or the Spirit is keeping you from what you want to do. I'm convinced what Paul intended was that the flesh is our enemy who keeps us from doing the holy, beautiful, loving things that are a complement to our lives and the lives of those we love. The question then, of course, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What, What do you want to change in your life? What do you want to change in your life? Do you want to change? the Men, we'll start with you. Men, if you're a man in here, look at me. If you're sitting next to a sleeping man, feel free to wake him up. Jackie, wake wake Pat up. You can't hide, that's all I can tell you. What do you want to do? Let's let's make it simple. Do you want to love your wife as Christ loved the church? That's the will of God. That's the word of God. And a man would love his wife the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Are you doing that? Is, is, is that the thing you are asking God to do in your life? Are you, are you listening? Whatever is not real at home is fake everywhere. You can sit in this room and look like a saint. You can look like a man of God. You can carry a Bible as as big as a guitar case. That's great. You can pretend to be anything you want to in here. But what matters is, is what are you at home? And if you are not loving your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, then will you tonight make that an item in your prayer list where you say, God, I have not, I, I, I cannot, and I will not ever be able to love my wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her unless you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, accomplish that in my life. And beginning right now, 20th of April, with all of my heart, I want you to make me like Jesus. because that's what it's going to take. You are not going to be inspired to live a different life by these few rambling, mumbling sermons that I've given you. It's going to take you taking the Word of God into your heart and into your life and into the closet and getting on your face before God and saying, God, there's no way I can do this. The only way I can walk in the Spirit is for the Spirit to come and take control of me. And here's the first thing that I want Him to do. I want Him to change my heart that I will be like Jesus to my wife. Wives, you might want to pray, and I will surrender myself to my husband as the Christ as the church has surrendered to Christ. And I'm going to love him, and I'm going to infirm him, and I'm going to encourage him, and I'm going to do everything I can because I know the more I lift him up, the more, it's likely, he will become like Christ. And I'm going to pray for him. And I'm going to challenge him. Or you, or, or you, or you may have to make another confession like I did. God, I don't love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. but I want to. God, I don't yet see myself as crucified with Christ. I haven't made that real in my life yet. The Holy Spirit, I don't think, has made that real in my life yet. So God, every day I want you to, I want to know, I want to come to believe what it, I want to come to know what it means to be crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ live in me and the life that I then live in the flesh, I will, I do not live by, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Guys, I it's almost over. We've got, we've got one more chance tomorrow night. I, I don't know what I'm going to preach tomorrow night yet. I've got to, I, I'm leaning towards something, but, but I'm not nailed down yet. But it's, it's almost over. But I, I've got to tell you, listening to me is not enough. I'm nodding and going, man, that was a good sermon. You stepped on my toes. It's, it's funny because several people have said that, and I know what that means, and I love it. It encourages me so much. Thank you. I'm not making fun of you. I'm not putting you down. I'm I'm, just—I'm just just telling you—it's not enough for you to feel a pinch in here. It's not enough for you to feel a pinch in here. I mean, I'm trying to pinch you, seriously. I'm trying to get under your skin. I'm trying to get in your head. I'm trying to pinch you and and use the word of God to to move you forward. But that's not enough. You're going to have to—you're going to have to do more than that. Here's why I know that. I—I noticed my toe. Literally, I noticed my big toe uh, mon- Sunday, m- Monday morning when I got up, I looked at my big toe and it is, it's bruised. You know, you know what I mean? Under the nail, it is, it is the wrong color. And it's tender. But I don't remember how I did it. I helped my son move on Saturday, so I lifted and pulled and poked and stuck. You know, I did a thousand things. I walked 11,000 steps on Saturday. Climbed 38 flights of stairs is what my phone told me. I don't know when I bruised my toe. I just know it's bruised. You may, I may bruise your toe, but you will forget even what I said. And so tonight... We've got to we got we gotta stop just listening. We've gotta drill down and go, God, there's You've got. To, this is what I want you to do in my life. I, I cannot stay like I am. I know I am not what I ought to be, and I cannot become anything else until I choose to. Until I choose to invite you into my life by the power of the Holy Spirit to transform me and renew me and make me what I ought to be. Do we want to do the things the Holy Spirit wants us to do? Whose side are we on? There's a. There's an old. I believe it's an old Indian proverb that says there are two wolves fighting inside of you, the good wolf and the bad wolf, and the, and the winner will be the wolf that you feed. And so are you going to feed the Holy Spirit? Are you going to give Him the tools and the equipment and the word and the will to have an effect in your life? Or are you just going to be happy to say, well, I'm just not everything I ought to be? As if that's a good thing. As if that's all God's wanting to hear you say. Wow. Do we want to do the things the Holy Spirit wants us to do? Whose side are we on? Do we want the Holy Spirit to win? Or are we pulling for the flesh? Are we surrendering ourselves more and more to the word and the will and the mind of Christ or are we feeding the flesh with junk food of this world? I guess the invitation tonight, the challenge tonight is what are you going to begin to ask God to change about you? I'll pick on the staff. John, what are you going to ask God to change about you? I mean, you've you've heard me preach. I'm not asking you to answer me out loud, okay? So just stop sweating. (laughs) He's not sweating. But you've heard four four sermons. What's made it into your prayer, prayer list? Jamie, you've heard me preach 400 sermons. What's made it into your prayer list? JB, what's made it into your prayer list? Rick, you've only heard me twice. What's going to make it into your prayer list? Joey? What do you want, God, to change enough in your life that you're willing to write it down and and find the Scripture for it and go, God, this is what I want to change, and I'll never change it. I have not, I cannot, and I will not, but you can, and I want you to change it according to the authority of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. Howard, what are you going to write down? Art, it's not just enough to listen and nod. You've got to get intentional and personal, and it's gotta happen in your life. I wish I knew every name in this room, Jean, and I'd call it Alan. <laughs> Linda? Cindy? What are you going to write down? Judy, sorry. Yeah. Everybody, whose name's Cindy? (laughs) What are you going to write down? When are you going to start pulling for the right team? Because whatever you hear in church or whatever you read in your Bible, if you're reading your Bible, and nothing and, and what you are reading is not making it over into your prayers. If it's not going from the Word of God into the will of your heart and wanting God to make what's true in His Word true in your will, then you're never going to change. Until you move from what you read in His Word to making it true in your will, taking what's true in His Word and asking Him to make it true in your will and in your life, you are never going to change. And that's what First Baptist Dylan says is what you are all about. Inspiring people to become followers of Jesus Christ. We will never inspire anyone until we become the person who's being changed. Father, thank you. Thank you for this privilege to to speak this privilege, to preach your word, to challenge, and Father, I, pr- I pray that we will read your word over and over, we'll read about walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the, the lust of the flesh, God, that we will, we will understand that we've got to move from just being happy observers to, to being truly engaged. God, until we we come to the place where we're truly wanting your will to become our will, wanting your word to become our will in the daily paths of life. Oh God, bring us to that place tonight. Help every person in this room either to realize there's something horribly wrong in their life that they do not want to change, Or they will go from this place tonight with a new passion burning in their heart, wanting more than ever for something that is in your word to become a reality in their will and in the way they live their life. Oh God, what a separation is going to happen in our lives tonight. And oh God, we ask that you would shake this place. put us on our knees put us on our faces god help us to come to the place where we really surrender this to you when we pray in your holy name o oh lord